0: to celebrate some of the stories of what your generosity is helping us do it is expansion season and we've been celebrating the last couple of weeks what international partners national partners local partners your generosity is making such a difference and yes while last sunday we did officially kind of do and celebrate our expansion offering it is open through the end of uh, the year and i just wish every sunday we could take just a couple of minutes like this to celebrate all we are able to do through and uh, with your generosity. Just incredible, incredible things. And so uh, I want to just take a moment right now just to acknowledge something. I was joking with Pastor Justin earlier this week about about preaching this weekend. Uh, This is kind of an odd weekend from a pastor's standpoint to preach. Here's what I mean. We are four days away from Christmas services kicking off here at Action Church, right? And Pastor Justin is going to bring a powerful message on the birth of Jesus and what that means uh, for the world. And, and, and if I'm not careful, I'd steal some of his thunder today, right? And you can't do that. You don't want to be that guy. Uh, and so at the same time, because we're a week away from Christmas, there is an expectation here in this room that we sing a couple of carols. And we talk about baby Jesus. That, that is, I, I feel it. I feel that's the expectation here. And we sang a couple of carols. And now we got to figure out how to talk about sweet baby Jesus without stealing Pastor Justin's, uh, Pastor Justin's thunder, right? So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd spot. But here's what I can promise you. We're going to talk about baby Jesus somehow. We're all going to leave happy and go to lunch together and have a really civil time. It's going to be great. Because one thing I have learned, I'm not a smart man, but I am a quick learner. One thing I have learned in life, is that you don't mess with people's Christmas expectations and traditions. You just don't mess with that. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And so, uh, and so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you, have you ever found yourself in life hoping for something? Yeah? Hoping that, I don't know, something takes place, hoping for a change, hoping for something positive to happen. If we're all honest, all of us have found ourselves in a season of, of hoping right? We, we say things like, I hope that the weather's nice when I'm on vacation next week. I hope there isn't traffic in the morning when I'm commuting and driving to, to work. I hope I get a text back after a promising first date, right? I, I hope I pass that exam because my GPA depends on it. I hope my college football team will make the college football playoff, right? And Maybe that's too soon for some people. It's been every service a little too soon, but we have a prayer team up here at the front. We would love to to help you out. But we are a a people that, that love a story of hope. Take a second right now. Think about the movies you and your family have been watching for the last three weeks. A Christmas movie. Every Christmas movie ends, it's a story of hope. It ends with a happy ending, right? Tim Allen always embraces becoming the next Santa Claus. Buddy the Elf always rescues and saves Christmas. The Grinch's heart always grows and changes. Kevin McAllister always gets left, right? And I don't know how that's happened. They have, they have made six different home alones. How is that even possible? Adult Kevin needs some counseling, right? A story of hope, a story of hope. We, we are people that, that love hope. We're hardwired to be people of, of hope. In fact, hope is such a, a crucial thing for us to have in life. Our, our self-esteem, our resiliency, our, our sense of purpose are all tied to the level of hope that we have in our life. In fact, author J.R. Tolkien once, once wrote this, where there is life, there's hope. I read that quote this week, and it made me think of of how have people historically survived some of the most difficult circumstances. It made me think about the Great Depression. It made me think about uh, the Holocaust. It made me think about rebuilding New York City after 9-11. Deeply difficult circumstances that people survived. Why? Because they never lost their, their sense or their spirit of hope. Hope. Hope, our level of hope determines so much in our life. And here's what I know about life, and it's probably the same thing you know about life, is life is going to be full of moments that, that bring us hope, and life is going to be full of moments that try to rob us of hope or challenge our, our hope. Think for just a second, maybe you've been in seasons of life that, that you have called hopeless. Maybe you know some people in your life that are in a season that they're calling hopeless. And if you find yourself in a situation that you're calling or categorizing as being hopeless, what you're admitting, what you're saying is that there's, there's no sense in putting any more effort into changing the situation. It's beyond being able to change. And At the same time, if you're looking at yourself, calling yourself hopeless, what, what you're admitting is that there, there's nothing left in your life to, to hang on to that will move you forward. Hope, hope, it's such an important lo- word. And if you've lost hope, it, it means that you've lost your sense of meaning. It's a significant word that, that determines so much in our life. And it's interesting to me because it, it's one of those words that, that's kind of tough to, to explain what it actually is. It's one of those words that we're familiar with hearing. Maybe we've read it on a Christmas sweater or we've read it in a Christmas card. But if we were pressed to define it, it'd be one of those words that's like, ah, uh, I don't know, maybe optimism, uh, maybe positive thought. Maybe it's like thinking the right way. I don't know. You, you have hope. If you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. And it's one of those words that has such a significant impact on our life. And when I find myself in some of those situations, what I like to do is kind of study what that word means. And that's what I want to do here is we are in a, a season where hope is a word that we're hearing everywhere. I kind of want to pack, unpack what, what it means because the Bible talks a lot about hope. In fact, there's over 300 references to the word or the concept or the idea of hope. And one of those passages that I want to begin this study of hope together with is found in 1 Corinthians. In fact, it's a scripture that I'm sure most of us have heard, if not maybe all of us have heard, and the context in which we've heard this scripture is in a wedding, because 1 Corinthians 13 is often referred to as the love chapter, which is why it's read at, at every wedding you've ever been to. And there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that I think is so important as we, as we unpack this idea of hope, and it's 1 Corinthians 13:13. 13, 13. Here's what the apostle Paul writes. He says, three things will last forever. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is, is love. And now you may kiss your bride. That's where you hear that context, right? But, but Paul says three things last how long? Forever. Forever, meaning they never end, meaning they, they go on. They have no like, day of death. They, they, they constantly will exist. It's faith, it's hope, and it's love. As we said before, Faith is a word that, that we could probably like all give a pretty decent definition to. Love is a word that we could all give a decent de- uh, definition to. But sandwiched in the middle of those two words is a word that has the exact same preface. It lasts forever. And it's a word that's like, uh, I don't know. That's why it's such a significant word and why we need to take time to kind of unpack it. And If you start this This study of of the word hope in the Old Testament, you're going to find the word or the, the concept of hope referenced over 150 times. And the two books that the word hope is referenced the most in in your Old Testament is the book of Job and the book of Psalms, which is interesting to me. Job references this word hope 18 times. David in the book of Psalms references this word hope 34 times. And these are the two characters that have arguably experienced the most challenges and difficulties in all of the Old Testament. Yet they're the two characters that are referencing this word the most. It's, it's an interesting note to make here. And here's the two Hebrew words that the Old Testament uses when talking about, about hope. And these two words together give us kind of a biblical understanding of what this word means. All right, the first word that, that Hebrews would, would use, that your Old Testament uses, is the word yakal, yakal. Just because it's kind of fun to say a a word of a language you may not be fluent in. Let's say that word together. Ya call. One, two, three. Ya call. Ya call. And here's what it means. It means to wait for. And a picture of of that word in your Bible is is Noah and his ark. Right? Y'all remember that that story of Noah? The Lord said to Noah, there's going to be a floody, floody. Remember that song, anybody? Just me? Just me. You're going to leave me hanging like that. Anybody? Thank you. Good. Good. We got one. Right? He built an ark. And he put all the animals on the ark, and then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and he had to yakal in the ark for the waters to to go down. Yakal, to physically wait for. The other word that your Old Testament uses is the word kavach. If you really want to sound like Jewish when you say it, it's kavach, kavach. So don't turn to your neighbor when we say this one together, you're going to spit on them. But let's face forward here. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Kavach, kavach. And here's what it means. It means to, to wait with, with tension, to wait like a piece of rope that you're pulling tight, meaning that there's anticipation, there's expectation. It's got you wound up and tight. A picture maybe for us today is, think of like if you're ever been pregnant and you're a woman and you're thinking about like, I just can't wait for this baby to be born. There's anticipation, there's expectation for that day to come. Another example from the Old Testament would be, would be that of a farmer, a farmer waiting for the harvest, expecting. He's, he's kavaching for the harvest to come. And we sense from, from these two biblical words that, that hope is so much more than optimism. Hope is so much more than, than positive thinking. The, these two words actually define like what a farmer's job would be. Meaning a, a farmer looks at a patch of dirt and he works it or she works it, right? They, they toil it. They, they plant seeds. They water the seeds. They pick weeds. And for months, there, there's no sign of a crop coming. But yet they work day after day after day. And if you stop that farmer and you ask them, why are you working so hard on this field? They wouldn't rep- respond to that question. Well, I'm optimistic because an optimistic farmer always produces a harvest. They wouldn't say, well, I just mastered the power of a positive thought, and, and I know positive thinking is gonna produce a harvest. They don't, they don't say like, hey, uh, hard work's just what farmers do. What they would say is, I, I deeply believe, I have hope that there will be a harvest on this field. See, without the hope, their work has no, no meaning. Without the hope, all they see is a, is a dead patch of dirt with no possibility and no harvest. Take a second to to think about your own life. And it's why the enemy works so hard at robbing us of our hope, stealing us of our hope, because he wants us to look at our own lives through the same lens and just see a patch of dirt that's not worth working on, a patch of dirt that has no possibility, a patch of dirt that will never produce a harvest. Hope, hope, a resilient farmer always will produce a harvest. Resilient hope is what I want to talk about today. If I've titled the message anything, it's, it's resilient hope because resilient hope is what brings us purpose. Resilient hope is what brings us expectation that will move us through our current difficult circumstances and situations and move us into the next destination that God has for us. Resilient hope, biblical hope is what I want to spend our time remaining here together defining. The first principle of a resilient hope or a biblical hope is this. A biblical hope, a resilient hope, is built on a person, not on a changed circumstance. Built on a person, not on a changed circumstance. You know, we're in a season right now leading up to Christmas that the church calls Advent. I don't know if you've uh, celebrated Advent or you're participating in Advent. It's just essentially the days and weeks leading up to the birth of Christ. And that word Advent simply means arrival. It's preparing for the arrival of Jesus, and Jesus is the hope of the world, and Jesus is the the hope that the world was waiting for, and it is Christmas time, and on Christmas Day, we all are going to celebrate the the birth of Jesus, but uh, I just want to kind of feel out the room here. Does does anybody love Christmas music? Anybody just got the Spotify play? Man, this this has been the most Christmas-filled, Spirit of Christmas audience of the day, all right? Like, you're the person listening to the radio station 24-7, and the day after Christmas, you're just sad. It's back to the regular programmed radio, right? Okay, one of my favorite Christmas songs is the song, O Holy Night. And I don't know that it's technically a Christmas song as much as it is a Christmas, like, hymn, right? It's just such a powerful Powerful song and a couple of years ago my wife Kelly and and I we were invited by uh, some friends to join them to a concert uh, by the the classical music singer Andrea Bocelli Andrea Bocelli yeah and and if I'm not a classical music guy, I'm not an opera guy. I just love a good concert. And I knew that this was like kind of a bucket list experience. You just gotta have a like experience. If you ever get the invitation like we did, just say yes to it because it's it's mind-blowingly good. I can't begin to describe how good it was. And and he's up there and he's singing, and it was it was in December, and so we were close enough to Christmas where he was starting to sing some Christmas songs, and then and then it came and he sang Holy Night. And there was a moment in that song where it's, fall on your knees. Yeah, right? Come on. The spirit of Christmas is here. Miracles are happening. It's beautiful. And then then he hits that like, I'll hear the angels' voices. And and there's just a moment when he's singing that, you just, you feel it. Like, I can't describe it. You feel it. You don't just hear it. You feel it. And I look over at my buddy and he's just a mess crying. I'm a mess crying. My wife's a mess crying. The guy I just met behind me is a mess. The whole place is just bawling, bawling. It's beautiful, right? There's a line in that song, the thrill of hope, a thrill of hope. What that line is referring to in that song is, is, yes, if you've ever held a baby as a parent for the very first time, there's a thrill of hope that happens in that moment. The second you hold your child for the first time in that hospital room or wherever it is you've, you've birthed that child, you're looking down at it, something inside of you, it's like a switch that gets flipped on and something changes immediately, right? There's like a light. It's almost like a candle got lit for the first time and you're seeing everything different just in a moment. And when Jesus was was born, he certainly brought that feeling to his earthly parents, Mary and, and Joseph. There was a moment where they're holding it, that, that switch gets turned on. But what that phrase, a thrill of hope, is referring to is the birth of Jesus brought that sensation to the entire earth, Amen. to the entire world. Every generation to follow experienced that, that same thrill of, of hope. And it's important to, to not lose sight of that and forget that. It's it's so, such, such an important thing because our, our hope, our hope is, is in a person, not in a changed circumstance. The, the, the birth of Jesus, it, it changed everything. It's why Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, he says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into not just a hope, a what kind of hope? A, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's interesting that the word Peter uses here for hope is the same word that, that Paul used for hope when he said these three things last forever. It's, a, it's an undying hope. It's an everlasting hope because it's never in a circumstance. It's always in it's always in a person. That word hope in your New Testament means this. It means to have hope and confidence in the author of hope, who also is the foundation of hope. Why is it a living hope? Why will it last forever? Forever because the hope is in Jesus. The hope of the Christian, the hope of the Christ follower is in our salvation. It's in our, it's in our eternity. And because of that, biblical hope is different from optimism. Optimism is just circumstantial. Biblical hope, biblical hope is in the person of Jesus. It's, 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 it's founded on our salvation. It's why all throughout your Bible, you can read stories of characters that, that certainly hoped that their circumstances would change but they remained hopeful in difficult circumstances, in some cases that never changed, because their hope was never on the changed circumstance. It was always in the person of, of Jesus. <laughs> resilient hope, it's, it's built on a person, not on, not on changed circumstances. The second principle we'll find here as we study this word hope is that resilient hope or biblical hope, it's anchored on God's faithfulness. It's anchored on God's faithfulness. Hebrews six nineteen says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This verse tells us that regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what's happening around us, that, that our hope will hold us firm regardless of the storm. If you've ever been on a boat and you've thrown out an anchor, an anchor attaches that boat to the ocean floor, meaning that if a storm were to come, it would, it would keep that boat firmly fixed, headstrong into the waves coming. And what that does is it keeps the waves from crashing over the side of the boat, or it keeps the waves from capsizing the boat altogether. That anchor holds the boat firm in the center of the storm. The same is true for you and I in our, in our hope in life, that, that it holds us firm in the middle of, of life's storms. Resilient hope, it's anchored on God's faithfulness. It's God's past faithfulness in our own lives that gives us the trust and confidence to survive and get through the current difficult situations. Let me, let me say it this way for the, for the Christian. For the Christian, we, we move forward by, by looking backwards, right? We, we remember God's faithfulness in our life to survive and get through the current difficulties. As I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of about 11 years or so ago when I told Pastor Justin, uh, my wife, my family, and I felt called to move with him here to Orlando to, to help start Action Church. And there was a season of my life in that process where Pastor Justin and I had, had transitioned off of the church staff that we were part of before moving here. Uh, and, and there was just this in-between season. I was applying as best I could for jobs here in Seminole County. And before I was in, in education, the only other like skill set I had in, in terms of the world Outside of like restaurant work, was uh, was teaching high school, was education. I taught high school uh, freshman English mostly for for five years before getting into uh, into church work. And uh, I was applying for every job in Seminole County I could find, like a janitor job, cafeteria worker job, English teacher job, administrator job. Uh, it was so bad and desperate. I was applying for math positions here in Seminole County. It was brutal. It was brutal, right and. And I was oh for 24 on job applications, 0 for 24. I was getting ghosted left and right. It wasn't even a thanks so much, we're just not interested. There was nothing. It was radio silence. And in that same season, I was working for my father-in-law who found a job for me, which I'm super grateful for because a man's got to work. My wife at the time was pregnant with our third child. We had two kids at home. And I was working for my father-in-law, digging ditches for an irrigation company. So my job literally was wake up at 7 a.m., pick up a shovel, dirt, foot, dig, throw. Dirt, foot, dig, throw. Until about 7 p.m. every night. This was in the middle of the summer in Florida. And so if you're in irrigation, lots of respect. But it was back-breaking work. It was brutal. And every night it felt like I got into my car to take that 20-minute drive home. Dirty, sweaty, smelly. Just thinking, God, I made the biggest mistake of my life. What am I doing? Maybe if I went back to the the church that I transitioned off a staff of and just say, hey, I I made a mistake, guys. I I think I missed it. I I don't think it was God. I think I just kind of got my signals crossed there. Would you please take me back? Just please take me back. Maybe they would. It was just this wrestling match of, thoughts in my head that were just trying to pull me away from, from taking that step. And the only way I survived was looking back and reminding myself of God's faithfulness on my journey. Looking back and saying, no, God, God, you're faithful then you'll be faithful now. God, God you provided then you'll you'll provide now. No, God, 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 you delivered me then, you'll you'll deliver me now. And it was looking backwards that that moved me forward and kept a spirit of, of hope in my life. You know, there's a thing in our physical bodies called short-sightedness. Some of us maybe have, have glasses to, to help with that. And if you got short-sightedness, uh, the technical term there is myopia. And I'm not a doctor, but I do like saying doctor terms because it makes us sound smarter, right? Myopia is short-sightedness. And here's what, here's what it does physically to the body. It occurs when your eyeball is too long, your cornea is overly curved, or your lens is too thick. Not really sure what any of that means, but here's what's important. Here's what it does to our bodies. The result, if that's what's happening, here's the result. The result is light isn't properly refracted, causing distant objects to appear blurry and out of focus. Take a second and think about your life from a spiritual standpoint. Isn't that what happens when when things get tough, when things get difficult, and it tends to drown out the light of God in our life, and we're looking forward to the destinations and the, the places that he wants to take us, but they just get blurrier, or they just get more out of focus, and we just kind of get stuck, that's the same thing that happens. And maybe you've heard the cliche, hindsight's 20 but from a spiritual standpoint, there couldn't be anything more true. Because when I look back when I'm in those situations and I remind myself of God's faithfulness, it is crystal clear that he is faithful. And I can pull some of that light into my current situation and it breathes life back into my my current situation where I can see again with clarity and focus where God's taking me and where he wants me to go. God's past faithfulness motivates us for our future. We look backwards in order to move forward. The third principle is this, is that resilient hope prays and expects God to answer. Resilient hope prays and expects God to answer. I don't know how many of you pray and expect God to answer, but, but that's where we have to get. We have to get to a place where we're not just praying the facts of our life, but we're praying how we feel about the facts of our life where we're being vulnerable, vulnerable with God, where we're bringing to God what we're expecting him to do on, on our behalf because what we're suggesting in that, the concept of expecting somebody to, to answer you believes that you think they're paying attention to you. Take a look at what David wrote in Psalms 38. Again, one of the, the books of the Bible that, that references this idea of hope so often. Here's what he says in Psalm 38. He says, I trust you, Lord God. You will do something. You will do something. Can I ask you something today, church, as you're reflecting on this point? Do you have the kind of relationship with God where you expect him to answer? Maybe let me ask it this way. Do, do you think that God pays attention to you? Do you think that he cares about you? Because if you do, you won't just pray. You'll, you'll expect him to, to answer. Resilient hope, it prays and expects God to care and expects God to answer. As we close our our time here together today, there's a story I read not too long ago that I think is such a beautiful picture of what we're talking about here with this idea of, of hope. And It was talking about uh, farmers in the Midwest back in the 1700s uh, when America's first getting settled and and, and people are coming and moving and, and and trying to figure out how to build cities and to bring technology to to places that haven't been established right and and in this time and in this season uh, in the Midwest, we don't know about this so much in Florida, but there were these things called blizzards that would roll through uh, and, and if you've ever been in a bad rainstorm, you know if you're driving, it can be difficult to see. Have you been there before, like on the 417 or I-4, and just boom, a, like a Florida sunstorm sun comes through, and it's like, I can't even see, I gotta pull over. And, and if you've ever been in a bad blizzard, the same thing can happen. Like, it can be so bad in a snowstorm that you can't even like, see your hand this far away from your face. And what was happening back in the 1700s is there were countless stories of, of farmers Finding themselves in a storm at their house and having to go out to their barn or going out to their outhouse. Maybe the winds had had blown open a door, maybe a horse had gotten out of the barn, or maybe they just had to batten everything down so that it would survive the storm and they go they go out to their barn or out to their outhouse and they'd get disoriented and they wouldn't know like how to get back to their house. And there were countless stories of of farmers that that got lost in the storm and, and died. And then weeks or months later, their families would would find them just a dozen of yards away from, from their house. So what farmers started to do is they started to tie a rope from their back porch to their barn, a rope from their back porch to the outhouse. And what that rope was designed to do is that it was a guide rope to get them from from destination to destination. They would, they would grab that rope, and they would walk out to the barn always on that, that rope. And they'd get safely to the barn, and they'd come back, and they'd hold that rope, and then they'd get back to their house. If the wind was blowing really bad, that, that rope was designed to stabilize them so that they wouldn't fall down, get disoriented, and not know where they were. They, they had the rope. The rope is what was so critical from getting them from destination to, to destination. And I think that's a picture of what hope does in our life. Hope is what gets us from, from destination to, to destination. What we, what we put our hope in is so important. What I want to ask you as we close here today is, is what is your hope in? Because your hope can't be in, in education. Your hope can't be in, in politics. Your, your hope can't be in family relationships. Your hope can't even be in religion because all of those things are constantly changing all of those things are one storm away from leaving you stranded the only thing your hope can be in is the person of Jesus the only unchanging thing as we as we close here I want to read a, a scripture that I think just from a from a word of God standpoint a truth standpoint it it's gonna, it's honestly something that, that I've been beginning to pray over my own life. It's in Jeremiah 17. It says this, it says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Check this out. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never, Stop producing fruit. See, hope doesn't believe that everything's gonna be rainbows and roses for the rest of our life. This passage says completely opposite. This passage says that when we put our hope in God, what that means is that we can always move forward regardless of if it's drought, regardless of if it's it's hot, regardless of if if it's a good season, we can always produce fruit and stay green. And that's really been my, my prayer as I've been studying and learning this word hope for myself' it's, it's been this it's been this passage of scripture it's been God I'm going to choose to to put my hope in you that word blessed it means to kneel it means that, that whether it's out of a place of reverence because I've been following God long enough to know that I can look back at my life and and trust him and be, that he's faithful or it can mean to, to kneel because when i'm What I'm being faced with right now in life is so heavy that it's forcing me to kneel, but I'm choosing to kneel and bring it before the Lord. Blessed is that person. My prayer is God, allow me to be blessed because I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to put my confidence in you. I'm choosing to to put my hope in you. And because of that, I pray that regardless of my circumstances, that my life would always stay green, God that my life would always have, have life, it would always have your presence, it would always be producing fruit so that people can see that you are real and that you are true and that you are good. Yeah. What we put our hope in determines so much. And what's your hope in today? Would you be fair? would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I wanna, I wanna close as we do every single weekend here where we give an opportunity for some of you to start a relationship with God. As we've talked about this idea of hope today i think it's been pretty evident and clear that that the only way we can move forward in life is by putting our hope in jesus having a relationship with him i want to take a second and just kind of explain what that looks like because god knew the same thing about you that he knew about me which is we're not perfect we make mistakes the bible says we are sinners in need of a savior god knew that and he sent his one and only son jesus And that birth of of baby Jesus, who grew up to become a man, lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died a death on a cross, a sinner's death on a cross, the death that you and I deserve to have. Three days later, he rose again, overcoming death, overcoming the grave, overcoming sin, making a way back to God the Father so that you and I can be back in right relationship with God. It's through Jesus that that can happen. It's why he's our living hope. I wanna ask you today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, that if you're here this afternoon and you have never started relationship with God, but today right now, you know this is a moment that you need to start. I wanna pray with you in just a moment. There's a second group of people here that maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've been around church, maybe at some point in time in your life, you had a relationship with God, but life has done what life so often does, which is distracted you from that decision. It's pulled you away from that decision. And here today, you find yourself in a place where you just need to recommit with God. You need to remake God, the God of your life. If that's you this afternoon and you need to start fresh or start a new relationship with God, or you need to restart. A relationship with God, I just wanna ask you right now to raise your hand as a sign of surrender, a sign of faith saying, God, I'm responding to the tug in my heart saying, I need Jesus today. I just wanna pray with you. I wanna know who I'm praying for. So just raise your hand as a sign of surrender saying, God, today is my day. Today I need true hope. Thank you so much. Amazing. You can put your hand down once you lift it up. It's an amazing thing that the hand being raised is not, is not what even this is about. It's acknowledging in your heart what's happening right now. The Bible says that God is so good that he never stops beckoning, pulling us back to him. That's what you're feeling right now. If you raise your hand, I wanna ask you to just repeat this prayer that I pray out loud right there from your seat, just under your breath. Just say something like, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for this moment. The moment that I know you're real, the moment that I'm acknowledging that I need you, Jesus, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you are my savior, saving me from my sins, saving me from my mistakes. And you are my Lord, meaning you're in control of my life. I give you control. God, I thank you for this moment. I acknowledge today that I'm forever different because of this decision. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my life. Forever make me different. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. God, I pray for all of us today. I pray that we would have a spirit of hope regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's happening around us, God. I thank you for the gift that is your son, Jesus and what that means for our life. And I pray as we step into this holiday season that we would never lose sight of that, God. The greatest gift we've ever been given is salvation. And I pray that that's what our lives would be built on, God, so that we can survive and move forward to whatever it is you're calling us to do. Bless us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate all those decisions that were just made? Amazing.